Chapter Four of the Tysons by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Four. The First Stone. Tyson was much flattered by the rumor that Sir Peter Morley had pronounced his wife to be the loveliest woman in Leicestershire, for Lady Morley herself was a sufficiently splendid type with her austere puritan beauty as for the rector it was considered that his admiration of mrs neville tyson somewhat stultified his utterances in the pulpit it is not always well for a woman when the judgment of the other sex reverses that of her own it was not well for mrs neville tyson to be told that she had fascinated sir peter morley and spoiled the rector's sermons it was not well for her to be worshipped collectively by the riffraff that swarmed about thorneytoft at tyson's invitation but any of these things were better than for her to be left as she frequently was to the unmixed society of captain stanistreet he had a reputation tyson thought nothing of going up to town for the weekend and leaving louis to entertain his wife in his absence to do him justice this neglect was at first merely a device by which he heightened the luxury of possession in his own choice phrase he liked to give a mare a loose rein when he knew her paces it was all right he knew molly and if he did not stanistreet knew him but these things were subtleties which drayton parva did not understand and naturally enough it began to avoid the tysons because of them apparently mrs neville tyson liked stanistreet she liked his humorous dark face and his courteous manners above all she liked that air of profound interest with which he listened to everything that she had to say it made it easy for her to chatter to him as she chattered to nobody else except presumably her husband as for stanistreet try as he would and he tried a great deal he could not make mrs neville tyson out day after day mrs neville tyson in amazing garments sat and prattled to him in the dog-cart while tyson followed the hounds yet for the life of him he could not tell whether she was really very infantile or only very deep you see she was tyson's wife it must be said she gave him every opportunity for clearing his ideas on the subject and if he did not know other people might be allowed to make mistakes and when he came to stay at thorneytoft for weeks at a time familiarity with the little creature's moods only complicated the problem it was about the middle of february and stanistreet had been down for a fortnight's hunting when in the morning of his last day tyson announced his intention of going up to town with him to-morrow he might be away for three weeks or a month altogether it depended upon whether he enjoyed himself sufficiently stanistreet who was looking at mrs neville tyson at the time saw the smile and the colour die out of her face her beauty seemed to suffer a shade a momentary eclipse she began to drink tea they were at breakfast with an air of abstraction too precipitate to be quite convincing moll said tyson if you're going to this meet you'd better run upstairs and put your things on i don't want to go to any meets why not because i-i don't like to see other women riding bless her little heart tyson was particularly affectionate this morning she's never had a bridle in her ridiculous hands and she talks about other women riding because i want to ride and you won't let me and i'm jealous well if you mayn't ride with me you may drive with stanistreet i may drive captain stanistreet certainly not 
captain stanistreet may drive you we'll see about that said mrs nevill tyson as she left the room she soon reappeared enchantingly pretty again in her laces and furs it was a glorious morning the first thin white frost after a long thaw the meet was in front of the crossroads inn about a mile out of drayton parva it was neutral ground where farmer ashby could hold his own with sir peter any day and speech was unfettered somebody remarked that mrs nevill tyson looked uncommonly happy in the dog-cart while tyson spoke to nobody and nobody spoke to him poor devil he hadn't at all a pretty look on that queer bleached face of his and all the time he kept twisting his horse's head round in a melancholy sort of way and backing into things and out of them fit to make you swear she must have noticed something they were trotting along stanistreet driving by a road that ran side by side with the fields scoured by the hunt and tyson could always be seen going recklessly and alone he could ride he could ride his worst enemy never doubted that it's very odd said she but the people here don't seem to like neville one bit i suppose they've never seen anything quite like him before i very much doubt if they have i think they're afraid of him mother is i know she blinks when she talks to him does she blink when she talks to me of course not you are different i am not her son-in-law certainly do you know though he's so much older than me i simply shudder when i think he's thirty-seven and so awfully clever and so bad-tempered i'm not in the least afraid of him and he really has a shocking bad temper i know it of old so many nice people have bad tempers i think it's the least horrid fault you can have because it comes on you when you're not thinking and it isn't your fault at all no it is generally someone else's i don't think much of people's passions myself he might have something far worse than that most undoubtedly he might have atrocious taste in dress or a tendency to drink don't be silly did you know him when he was young i don't mean to say he isn't young thirty-seven's young enough for anybody i mean when he was young like me i can't say i doubt if he was ever young like you but i knew him when he was a boy so you understand him oh pretty well not always perhaps he's a difficult subject anyhow you like him don't you stanistreet gave a curious hard laugh oh yes i like him that's all right and really i don't wonder that people can't make him out he's the strangest animal i ever met in my life i haven't made him out yet i think i shall give him up give him up by all means isn't that what people generally do when they can't understand each other mrs nevill tyson made no answer she was trying to think and thinking came hard to mrs nevill tyson i suppose he's had a past but of course it doesn't do to go poking and probing into a man's past stanistreet lifted his eyebrows and looked at the little woman she was sitting bolt upright staring out over the vague fields she seemed to have uttered the words unconsciously as if at the dictation of some familiar spirit and yet i wish no i don't wish i knew i know he must have had an awful time of it she turned her face suddenly on stanistreet what do you think he told me the other day he said he had never known anybody who wasn't either a fool or a sinner what do you think of that must you be one or the other stanistreet shrugged his shoulders you may be both we are all of us sinners and certainly a great many of us are fools i wonder he isn't a fool stanistreet wondered too he wondered at the things she allowed herself to say 
he wondered whether she was drawing any inference and above all he wondered at the shrinking introspective look on her careless face in another minute mrs nevill tyson had started from her seat and was waving her muff wildly in the air look there he goes oh did you see him take that fence what an insane thing to do with the ground like that he looked in the direction indicated by the muff and saw tyson riding far ahead of the hunt a small scarlet blot on the grey-white landscape by jove he rides as if he were charging the enemy's guns at the head of a line of cavalry yes she leaned back the excitement faded from her face and she sighed the sigh was so light that it scarcely troubled the frosty air but it made stanistreet look at her again how adorably pretty she was in all her moods perhaps she was conscious of the look for she rattled on again more incoherently than before i'm talking a great deal of nonsense i always do when i get the chance you can't talk nonsense to mother she wouldn't understand it she'd think it was sense and you see i'm interested in my husband i suppose it's the proper thing to take an interest in your husband if you won't take an interest in your husband what will you take an interest in it's natural not to say primitive do you know he says i'm the most primitive person he ever came across should you say i was primitive don't answer that i don't think he'd like me to talk about him quite so much he thinks i never know where to draw the line but i never see any lines to draw and if i did i wouldn't know how to draw them stanistreet smiled grimly he was wondering whether she was primitive just look at scarum's ears don't tease her she doesn't like it dear thing she's delicious to kiss she's got such a soft nose but she'll bolt as soon as look at you and she's awfully hard to hold her fingers were twitching with the desire to hold scarum i think i can manage her you see somehow or the other i like talking to you you may be a sinner but i don't think you are a fool and i've a sort of a notion that you understand he was silent so many women had thought he understood i wondered do you understand the eyes of mrs nevill tyson turned on stanistreet were not searchlights they were wells of darkness unsearchable unfathomable something in stanistreet equally inscrutable something that was himself and not himself answered very low to that vague appeal yes i understand he had turned towards her smiling darkly and all her face flashed back a happy smile surely oh surely mrs nevill tyson was the soul of indiscretion for at that moment miss bachelor trotting past with lady morley looked from them to her companion and smiled too that smile was the first stone miss bachelor acknowledged them with a curt little nod and mrs nevill tyson's face became instantly overclouded louis leaned a little nearer and said in a husky uneven voice surely you don't mind that impertinent woman not a bit said mrs nevill tyson she's got a villainous seat then what are you thinking about i'm thinking what horrid hard lines it is that they won't let me hunt all the time i might have been flying across country with nevill instead of instead of crawling in a dog-cart with me thank you mrs nevill you needn't thank me i haven't given you anything again stanistreet wondered whether mrs nevill was very simple or very profound and wondering he gave the mare a cut across the flanks that made her leap in the shafts that was silly of you she'll have her heels through before you know where you are she's a demon to kick is scarum scarum had spared the splashboard this time but she was going furiously 
and the little dog-cart rocked from side to side mrs neville tyson rose to her feet strikes me you can't drive a little bit said she please sit down mrs tyson but mrs tyson remained imperiously standing trying to keep her balance like a small sailor in a rollicking sea get up stanistreet muttered wrathfully under his moustache and she caught the words damned foolery bundle out this minute she made a grab at the rail in an undignified manner he doubled the reins firmly over his right hand and with his left arm he forced her back into her seat he was holding her there when farmer ashby turned out of a by-lane and followed close behind them and farmer ashby had a nice tale to tell at the crossroads of how he had seen the captain driving with his arm round mrs tyson's waist that was another stone stanistreet tugged at the reins with both hands and pulled the mare almost on to her haunches her hoofs shrieked on the iron road she stood still and snorted her forelegs well out her hide smoking when he had made quite sure that the animal's attitude was that of temporary exhaustion rather than of passion stanistreet changed seats and gave the reins to mrs neville tyson and scarum burst into her second heat i suppose you have a right to drive your own animal into the ditch said he mrs neville tyson set her teeth with a determined air planted her feet firmly on the floor of the trap to give herself a good purchase she gave the reins a little twist as she had seen stanistreet do she balanced the whip like a fishing-rod with the line dangling over scarum's ears and then she rattled away over the wrinkling roads at a glorious pace she reeled over cart-ruts she went thump over sods and bump over mud-heaps she grazed walls and hedges skimmed over the brink of ditches careened round corners and tore past most things on the wrong side and stanistreet's sense of deadly peril was lost in the pleasure of seeing her do it when she was not chattering to him she was encouraging scarum with all sorts of endearments small chirping sounds and delicate chuckles smiling that indefinably malicious lopsided smile which stanistreet had been taught all his life to interpret as a challenge now they were going down a lane of beeches they bent their heads under the branches and a shower of rime fell about her shoulders powdering her black hair he watched it thawing in the warmth there till it sparkled like a fine dew and now they were running between low hedges and the keen air from the frosted fields smote the blood into her cheeks and the liquid light into her eyes it lifted the fringe from her forehead and crisped it over the fur border of her hat flying ends of lace and sable were flung behind her like streamers she seemed to be winged with the wind of speed she was the embodiment of vivid reckless beautiful life it came over him with a sort of shock that this woman was tyson's wife irrevocably until one or other of them died and tyson was not the sort of man to die for anybody's convenience but his own at last they swayed into the courtyard at thorneytoft thank heaven we're alive he said as he followed her into the house mrs neville tyson turned on the threshold do you mean to say you didn't enjoy it of course it was delightful but i don't know that it was exactly safe i see you were afraid we were safe enough so long as i was driving he smiled drearily he felt that he had been whirled along in a delirious dream a madman driven by a fool as if in answer to his thoughts she called back over the banisters i'm not such a fool as i look you know no for the life of him stanistreet did not know his doubt was absurd 
for it implied that mrs nevill tyson practised the art of symbolism and he could hardly suppose her to be so well acquainted with the resources of language on the other hand he could not conceive how after living more than half a year with tyson she had preserved her formidable naivete at dinner that evening she still further obscured the question by boasting that she had saved captain stanistreet's life stanistreet protested nonsense said she you know perfectly well that you'd have upset the whole show if you'd been left to yourself tyson stared at his wife do you mean to say that he let you drive let me not he he couldn't help it her white throat shook with derisive laughter i took the reins or if you like i kicked over the traces i always told you i'd do it some day tyson pushed his chair back from the table and scowled meditatively mrs neville tyson was smiling softly to herself as she played with the water in her finger-glass presently she rose and shook the drops from her fingertips like one washing her hands of a light matter stanistreet got up and opened the door for her standing very straight and militant and grim and as she passed through she looked back at him and laughed again i can see said tyson as stanistreet took his seat again you've been letting that wife of mine make more or less of a fool of herself if you had no consideration for her neck or your own you might have thought of my son and heir oh said stanistreet a little vaguely for he was startled i kept a good lookout not much use in that said tyson stanistreet battled with his doubt tyson had furnished him with a key to his wife's moods moreover a simpler explanation had occurred to him mrs neville tyson was fond of driving she had been forbidden to drive therefore she drove she had never driven any animal in her life before and notwithstanding her inexperience she had accomplished the dangerous feat without injury to anybody hence no doubt her laughter and her triumph but this again was symbolism he determined to sleep on it end of chapter four recording by expatriate in bangor maine